You're listening to the We Talk Seahawks podcast, a podcast brought to you by Seahawks UK. Stay tuned to our weekly episodes for pre-game and post-game shows, as well as fun and engaging discussions, and hopefully some special guest interviews along the way. Thank you for listening, stay tuned, and go Hawks! Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, James. With me today, I have Pietro. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Good, good. I'm also joined by Matt, who's going to be a regular co-host of the show going forward too. Um, so how are you, mate? If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit to our lovely listeners. Hello, yeah, I'm Matt. Uh, I'm 19, um, from the south coast of the UK, um, and I am an offensive lineman for my university team, so... I like to think I can offer a bit of insight on uh, how our line is performing on the Seahawks and uh, a bit of offensive stuff in general. All right on the defence side of things, but my specialty is sort of offence. Um, I've only really been into the uh, the NFL sort of the last two seasons, really, uh, since I started playing. So I started, uh, I, I mean, I watched... I watched that Super Bowl against the Patriots, which we've heard about many, many times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all of a sudden, the last two years, I've, I've become obsessed with the game. And uh, here we are. So, yeah, that, that's me. Spot on. Thanks very much for doing this again, mate. Couldn't be possible without you and Pietro doing this with me. So a big thanks to you too. So on today's show, we'll be evaluating the offensive and defensive performance from our 26-23 win over the 49ers last weekend. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, we'll be discussing a little bit about the performance of DK and Tyler Lockett breaking their respective records for the Seahawks last weekend and how their seasons have gone so far. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Brian Schottenheimer and the play calling. That's a big topic of debate for Seahawks fans everywhere at the minute, whether Schottenheimer and the play calling has been up to scratch. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about our four-headed monster that we're seemingly developing in the running back room going into the playoffs with Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Carlos Hyde and Alex Collins and whether they are going to be a big factor going forward for us in the playoffs. On the defensive side of the ball, we'll discuss another great day for the Seahawks pass rush, another big day, another big performance from a few key players on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll talk a little bit about their continued success. Um, And we'll also talk about the defence having zero scoring points this season and whether that is a bit of a concern going forward for the future or whether it's highlighting just how good a job the offence has done this season in terms of setting a franchise record for points in a season where they haven't been helped at all by their defence in terms of scoring points. So we'll start off with the offensive side of the ball and we'll begin with the hot topic of Seahawks fans everywhere at the minute and that is the role of Brian Schottenheimer and the play calling that the Seahawks have been using in recent weeks and across this season. So Brian Schottenheimer obviously um, been offensive coordinator for a little while now. Um, he's been linked as the season's coming towards an end. He's been linked with a few head coaching jobs, mainly the New York Jets and a few whispers, I think, regarding the Texans and the Jags as well over Schottenheimer as well. So there's definitely interest in the offensive coordinator from um, the Seahawks going into the offseason for a few teams. Um, and there's also been a little bit of a concern over the play calling um, with Schottenheimer. Obviously, we've seen the offense start off red hot through the first sort of eight, nine weeks of the season. Um, and then it got to about midway and in the second half of the season and, and coming into the playoffs. Now, the offense has not been firing on all cylinders as it was um, in the opening half of the season. 
Um, it's still it's still doing a good enough job. We're still winning games. Um, you know, we're still getting the job done in in, in good old Russell Wilson. Um, but yeah, the play calling has been. You know, there's been a few questions coming in. There's been a few concerns being raised around the the world of Seahawks fans and and Seahawks media and everything like that. Um, that people aren't sort of completely happy with the job Brian Schottenheim is doing. Um, so I'll get your thoughts on it, Matt. Um, I mean, for me, Schottenheimer is sort of assured in the past, like say through the first eight weeks of the season, um, the play calling seemed to be red hot. Russell Wilson back to back five touchdown games and um, it seemed like we were firing on all cylinders. The play calling was unique. It was diverse. We were getting everyone involved. And then the second half of the season, it sort of slowed down with the offense has become a bit more predictable. It seems we aren't scoring as many points on 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 defenses and teams and yes we have come up against some of the better defenses in the nfl in the second half of the season as well so that's got to be taken into consideration but i mean do you think matt that we should be getting more of the offensive weapons that we've got involved in terms of the play calling do you think it's starting to become a little bit stale on offense and are we becoming a bit too much of a predictable unit yeah uh yeah i think you're completely right there to be honest i mean you look at you look at us last season, this is as in the um, the 2019 season, that's, mm-hmm. I noticed last year, or well, like, you know, 2019, that it was very much, we, we, we did the same thing every sort of set of downs. We went run, run, and then pass. Mm-hmm. Or if the pass was incomplete, then we either punt or go for a field goal. Um, but this season, we've been much more, much more diverse. The first sort of first half of the season, we, you know, or you, we could have a first down, you know, it could be the second first down in the series, say, in, in a drive even. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you'd see this massive looping deep ball come from Russ and straight into the arms of, you know, whoever was open. Obviously, DK had a few. Uh, David Moore had, I think he had a couple. Um, Lockett might have had one or two here and mm-hmm. there. And, you know, we had plays like that and it, it was exciting football. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I, we, we're still trying it. We're, you know, you, there's still these long looping passes, you know, receivers are still getting the ball. But I don't know, all of a sudden, it just, it doesn't seem to be working quite as well as it did. I mean, you know, you're looking at the receiving stats for our guys against, against the Niners and you've got DK got 21 yards on three perceptions, mm. an average of seven. No touchdowns. That's a bit concerning. Obviously, he is a, our star. Well, our star receiver. We've got you know incredible receiving core, but mm-hmm. he is the one that that players do mark a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's tough. Um, it's tough for for a player like him to to be that consistent all season when he's just going to get you know he's going to get double coverage he's going to get you know players are going to be all over him trying to stop him from getting the ball as much as they can which again I suppose that allows you know our other weapons like Lockett and David Moore you know Freddie Swain I mean Freddie Swain didn't even get a reception in that game but um, Mm. it allows other players to be more open Um, yeah it's it's a difficult one Mm -hmm. I don't know whether that's to do with the fact that you know, the first half of the season, the play calling was, you know, it was kind of obvious what we were going to do. It was different, 
but it was obvious. And that's, I think that's where our struggles are in because people, have, teams have realised, ah, oh, DK's actually quite good. Mm-hmm. We did that anyway, but, yeah. um, you know, they, they've all of a sudden gone, okay, we'll just put him in double coverage, that's fine. Make him think of something else. Um, so, receiving-wise, it's it's difficult. I mean, you know, I, I can sort of compare that to something to my games I've played at uni, you know, it's a completely different level, but when you're on the offensive line and you're, you know, you're doing pass protection and you see that ball go over your head if it goes down the middle of the field or if it goes out wide and you look to see where the ball goes and if the receiver catches it and makes a big play and gets some yards after the tackle, then, you know, the the morale is, is boosted on the team with, mm. with that receiving game. I mean, yeah, rushing's, rushing's obviously a big part of the game as well, which I'll, I'll mention in a minute, but receiving is, is so important. I think, obviously, it's mainly a, a passing game, but it's, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what them, well, we don't know what the morale of the team is like, whether they're mm-hmm. all, you know, obviously we're winning games and everyone's going to be happy if you're winning games, but I don't know, it seems like, you know, I mean, passing makes me happy as a lineman. <laughs> we like to see good passes. We know that we've protected the QB and we know that they, there's been a good job, a good job done. So, I don't know, really, to be honest. I mean, with Russ only, you had 181 yards. Uh, that's a bit, you know, that's not much, really, compared to um, Bethard, who had 273. So, you know, you'd expect a bit more from mm-hmm. from your franchise QB. And in terms of rushing, 111 rushing yards as a team. Mm. 29 of them coming from Russ. Mm. That that's a bit concerning, I think. I mean, yeah, we got a rushing touchdown, which is nice, thanks to Alex Collins. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I don't know. We just seem to be struggling our way through the games at the minute. Yeah, I don't know what your take is on that, but I don't know. We seem to just be sort of a bit, a bit on the rocks. Yeah. Um... Like I say, it's certainly because I think we're certainly looking at more predictable offense now. Um, I think we need to start getting the tight ends and and running backs involved in a, a few more sort of creative and um, sort of unique players that throw defenses off and, and and set the deep balls up for DK Metcalf and stuff like that, that you were talking about earlier in the season that we were so used to seeing. Because um, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like DK has had a touchdown in a, in a long time. I don't know how many games he hasn't had one in now, but it's definitely a few games now where he hasn't had a touchdown. Um, so it definitely feels like he's taking a lesser role now in terms of um, big players and, and explosive players. And, you know, he's still a massive factor on the offence and he's still being double covered and everything like this. Um, but it does seem like DK's quieted down in terms of the the big sort of explosive players um, that we used to. So, Pez, I don't know what you want to say about Shotty, I know you. I know you're quite opinionated on him um, and and the player calling. So I don't know what you've got to say, boy. Uh, yeah, I, I personally just this season is like a mirror of last season, except for the differences we've actually got the defense. Like last year, we started off red hot on offense, and then it just fizzled out, and then it fizzled out to the culmination of that Green Bay game where mm. where Shotty just reacted too late. If he made the adjustments and the reactions quicker, 
then yeah. the outcome could have been different. And for me, like it's just he does he does this thing where he he uses all these explosive pay, plays at the start of the season, and then teams just figure it out. And I just feel like, for me personally, I feel like everyone for years has said Russ has carried the team. He gets them on his back and he basically gets them into these positions. And now I just feel like Shotty's on his back as well because Shotty's just riding his ability. And something happened midway through the season. Like, I personally look at this and say, the, the whole offense looks disjointed. Like, the 49ers game, the receivers aren't catching the balls anymore. Either Russ is overthrowing, just overthrowing them, or the receivers aren't. And I don't know whether behind the scenes there's a, you know, Pete likes it his way. Shotty's mm-hmm. kind of bought into let Russ cook, but I don't think Schottenheim is a good enough play caller to let Russ cook and consistently can like maintain that momentum because mm-hmm. to me he's just he comes across as a very basic uh, OC in play calling. He just, like, we've, we've seen it, like, the first half of the season, no one could stop us. Middle of the season, people started figuring us out. And then now, I can't, I can't, I just can't figure out for the life of me that how you stop a man the size of DK Metcalf mm. from actually get, like Matt said, actually getting in the end zone. It felt, it feels like at the start of the year, you couldn't keep him out. And now, yeah, it's like you never see him in there anymore. Like, and it, for me, it's very concerning. But we spoke off air about my opinion on this, and I think there'll be a game in the playoffs, like with some of these heavy offensive teams, like your Saints, like your Bucks, if they're firing, like Green Bay, where we're going to meet one of them. Even the Rams, if they're on it, but. That's later in the show, really, for yeah. a matchup there. So I'm not going to get into that right now. But looking further past them without sleeping on them is you meet one of them teams. He's going to be faced with, is he going to play call a game like he has been doing these last couple of games? Or is he going to go out on his shield and go back to the start of the season style? And if Russ rolls a load of picks, then, well, so be it. Because if he does what he did in that Green Bay game, it kind of seals for me who he actually is when it comes to a play caller. And it's not a very good one because he doesn't have like the adjustments, the plan Bs, the plan Cs, like Matt said as well, getting the tight ends involved. I, I don't understand how the last couple of years the tight ends were on fire. And then this year, they've just disappeared off the face of the field. Like, you, you, you don't see him doing anything when it comes to attacking downfield or anything anymore. And it's just, it's just strange. But like I said, I could go on, a, I could make a whole podcast about this subject. So that's kind of my base feeling towards him and the play calling what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, like I say, I think it's a good point with the tight ends. You don't sort of see us going, you know, you don't see our tight ends running sort of these vertical routes and like getting, I remember like when we uh, we drafted Will Disley um, as he came in as a rookie and everything, and, and even going back to the days of Jimmy Graham a few years ago, uh, ago you would see Jimmy Graham so often downfield making big plays as as much as Doug Baldwin did, and and going back to Will Disley as much as sort of um, 
you know, the other receivers on the team did. He, he contributed downfield as well on these big sort of explosive plays. And it seems like the guys like Hollister, Olsen, I know Olsen doesn't have the speed to get downfield anymore anyway. So you've got to kind of, you know, forgive him in a, in a sense for, for not using Olsen downfield. But in terms of Jacob Hollister and, and Will Disley, these are quick tight ends in terms of, I mean, Jacob Hollister's undersized for the tight end position anyway. So he has got naturally more speed than most tight ends. And Will Disley can move as well. And we've seen that we can get them involved downfield in in the past. But it just seems to me like this season, like you're saying, it's just quick little sort of three, four yard move the sticks kind of third down players that we get our tight ends involved in. And then we kind of lock them away and we go back to DK and lock it for, for the first two downs. And if they don't get these explosive players or Chris Carson doesn't pick the yards up on the ground, then we, we you know, we put the three tight ends in and we and we get a you know, a first down by, you know, two, three yards by dumping it off to Hollister or, or to see however. So it just seems like as a whole, the tight ends really have been used as a more sort of reserved role and, and a more sort of just move the chains, kind of pick up two, three, four yards when we need them and then we'll keep going with our receivers. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you've got anything more to add, Matt, on, on the play calling. I don't know. Um, yeah, I was just uh, just having a little look at uh, DK's stats over the last All right. Well, over the, over the whole season, and you look sort of near the beginning of the season against uh, against the Cowboys. I mean, it's not really a, a fair example because their defense hasn't been great this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got 110 yards in that game, an average of 27, and a longest catch of 62 yards. Mm-hmm. Which, like plays like that, you know, near the beginning of the season is what you were saying about about those big explosive plays being had right at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember watching the games and, and you'll see, like I said, I mentioned the big, you know, you see the big looping pass from Russ and you'll be like, oh, this is, you know, exciting. And I don't think we've seen really anything like that since probably the Eagles game where yeah. he had 177 yards, you know, longest catch of 52. He always seems to play well against, against Philly. Um well, in the two games, was it two games we've had with them with DK on the team? I think yeah. so. Yeah, you know, both games he's done well. Um, in, in terms of touchdowns, you know, I'm—I mean, personally, I'm not too concerned that he hasn't—he hasn't scored a touchdown in the last three games. Right. But his yards are important. Mm. You know, I mean, getting down the field and having someone scoring a rushing touchdown, even though you've done the majority of the hard work by running and, and making the making the big catch. Uh, obviously, that's important because, you, you you know, you're getting down the field. But mm. I don't... I'm, I'm not sure whether that's a bad thing or not, really, because you look at, you know, Washington's defence is quite good. LA's defence is quite good. Yeah. And as we discovered, the Niners possibly maybe slightly underrated in, in terms of defense so to be honest it's it's not too much of a concern that he hasn't scored a touchdown since the Jets game could I just quickly add something in there um something I've been thinking like listening to the like other podcasts that I listen to throughout the day when I'm driving um I just I feel like you know like everyone seems to say the last couple of defenses we played against have been really tough defenses and that is fair enough. You can't sleep on the Rams. You can never, because they're really good. But I just feel like 
not that I'm worried personally myself, mm. but I just feel like some people might be using it as an excuse mm, to cover up the fact that come Saturday night, when in the crunch win or go home situation, mm-hmm. I think some people in their heads might be thinking, but the, the, the offense is going to come good there. And I trust Russ because Russ is proving it over the nine years. It's only these last two years when, coincidence or not, Schottenheim has come in as the OC, where Russ has started to look as people have started questioning, like he's slowing down. And I just worry that people might be using the fact that all oh, these really, really tough defences are the reason why, so I'm not too fussed. Whereas in the past, he's gone up against really tough defences and he's he's found ways to tear them apart. Yeah. So I just, well, want, I just, I just wanted to add that in as a, a bit of a thought, like to the whole, I understand, yeah, we have like statistically played the hard Ds, but... Mm. I just don't know whether some people, Statos will obviously be true to the word that statistically, yes. But then other people might just be jumping on that because they don't want to face the fact that is this offence truly in trouble? Yeah, it's uh, like I say, it's 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 really sort of a hard one to work out at the minute. It's whether, whether the, it's like you're saying, it's, is it the defences that we're playing are just really good or is it a, is it that the, the offence is just playing really bad and that actually we should be scoring a load of points on these defences. Like I say, again, we were talking a little bit off air, like you see the Chiefs putting up 40, 50 points seemingly every week and you see the Saints and Packers putting up 30, 40, 50 points every week against similar and, and the same defences largely that that we come up against. And it's like, you, you do have to sort of consider whether it's, because like you say, you know, there's no question, you know, there's no question regarding Russell's ability. You know, he doesn't just become a bad player overnight or during the, the second half of the season. Exactly. Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and, and will go down probably, hopefully, when he's finished as possibly one of the best to, to ever play in, in the sense of his height and his, his size and his ability and, and you know, the, the odds being stacked against him since day one and, and how much of a career he's made out of it. So there's no sort of question in Russell's ability. It, it's just whether... You know, is he going through a bad patch? Is it the defenses that are just playing, you know, lights out against us and and double covering DK and playing high safeties, and we just can't figure it out? Does and then, like I say, does that fall on Russell Wilson not making the right reason, not making the right adjustments in the huddle, and and you know, from what he's seeing, or is that down to Shotty, you know, Skybox Shotty up in the up in the stands? You know, is he not making you know the right causes? He's not seeing the game how he should be seeing it. So. It's it's an interesting one. Um, I think you I think you want to have the final word, Pez. And, and to be yes. fair, it's, it's your it's your subject, so I think it will end with you anyway. Um, just a thought for uh, people is I know everyone bought into this and like people joke about Skybox Shotty, but a little thought for people was: Did Shotty actually put himself up there, or did someone else put himself put him up there? In the sense mm. of. Shotty went up there, and then all of a sudden they made these offensive play-calling coaches for the sideline, like Russell Wilson's quarterback coach, Austin Davis, got promoted. Yeah. So when that happened, it just intrigued me that was it his choice or was he forced to go into the box? Mm. So you're sort of getting at that. You know, maybe the coaches didn't think he would. He was doing enough of a job, sort of on the sideline, maybe. Pete. Pete? Yeah, yeah Pete. That's fair enough. 
Yeah, he, he's Pete. the one and only person who would make a decision like that. Yeah. And I just, that's just a thought for people to think, just some, like look at it from a different angle. Not that he's just trying to get a better view of the field, mm-hmm. because if that's the case, we wouldn't be in an offensive slump like we are right now. It's a very interesting point. Because obviously you see the, the offensive coordinators for a lot of the other teams, you know, they, they, they stand on the sidelines and call players from the sidelines. So, you know, it's not because of, you know, you can't call players from the sideline. That's how it's historically been done. It's how people have been doing it for, you know, ever since the NFL. And, and you know, it's 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 tried and proven, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's, in theory, there shouldn't really be a drop-off between calling players from the sideline and calling players from the stands. So it, it's, it is an interesting one, whether they've sort of, you know, thrown him away and sort of, you know, put him on the naughty step up in the stands, maybe. Pete's maybe done that. I don't It's a very interesting point. Um, and also, I mean, whether we'll get to see any changes to that, if Shotty's with us next season, will he still be up in the skybox? Will he be a head coach somewhere? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Shotty. Yeah, it's, it's the fact that if he doesn't get a head coach's job, are mm. we actually going to see him back as OC? Very interesting. That's food for thought, isn't it? It is food for thought because, like you say, on the, and we'll get into it um, a little bit later as well, uh, when we talk about the defence and, and the zero points for the uh, the defence this season. Um, but, you know, they have put up a record number of points on offence this year, um, which which can't be sort of, you know, under, you know undermined as well. Um, so it, it's, this Seahawks offence is about as confusing as an offence could be at the minute. Um, I don't think anyone really has the answer to it, even within the organisation. So it's just a big sort of guessing game, really, I think, with our offence going forward at the minute. Um, but we'll see how it develops into the playoffs and see how this sort of, you know, if any any changes are made in the off-season and, and, and how we sort of handle things going forward on, on the offence and play calling. But it's a very interesting debate and I think one that we'll be definitely having plenty of times in the, in the coming weeks and months. Um, a good off-season. And when the season's over, that'll be a good podcast. To, uh, you could speak all day about that subject. You, you really could, especially for the Seahawks. It, it's, it's like you say, it's so complicated. But oh, we'll move. Go on. Or they go red hot, win the Super Bowl. Or they go then, red hot, and then I get absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> on Give him a five-year extension, like Pete. Just keep him <laughs> here. Why not? Um, but no, we'll move on. We'll move on to the, um, what I'm deeming as a four-headed monster that is our running game because. I think when you look at Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Carlos Hyde, and then the addition of Alex Collins, who, you know, we, we've had Alex Collins here before. We drafted him back in 2016, 2017. I can't remember which year now, but, um, you know, he's a very solid back as well. And when all four of them are healthy, um, I'm not sort of making, I'm not, well, do you know what? I, I will, I'll, I'll make the case for them, them four being maybe not sort of the best in terms of, ability-wise across the all four, but I think it's one of the most diverse running back rooms in terms of what each player brings to the game. You've got a powerful runner in uh, Chris Carson who will just run downhill, run through people, get you the hard yards and and, and stuff like that. He doesn't really have breakaway speed, um, but he, he gets you the hard punishing yards up the middle, you know, chucking people and watching Chris Carson run the ball up the middle and hitting guys is is almost as nice as watching DK catch a 65-yard bomb from, you know, Russell Wilson. Um, it really is a sight to behold. And then you've got, and then with the breakaway speed, you've got Richard Penny, on the other hand, who's got, is a bit more agile. He makes these cut moves. He's a bit more explosive in terms of, you know, when he gets going and, 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 and you see him making these sort of, big explosive players with his feet um, more than Chris Carson would. Uh, Carlos Hyde sort of 
more similar to um, to Chris Carson in a way. He's quite a physical little ball. He, he can he can really dish out some punishment as well. But he's got he's got a little bit of he a bit of speed to him as well, Carlos. He can we saw it on that fifty six yard run, I think it was. Um, so he's got a little bit of speed as well. And then you've got Alex Collins, who's a nice sort of mix of physical and, and, and quickness as well. He's more of a sort of quick, um, quick sort of agile back and, and one who can be, you know, it, it's again getting the play call and opening up the playbook, getting Alex Collins involved because he, he's he's been, a, 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 when he's been healthy and when he's been on the team with Seattle and the Ravens in the past and, and with us again now, he is a solid back and he's gone for some good yards and, and some good touchdowns in the past. Um, so it's it's really sort of in terms of when you have those four running backs healthy. I don't think there's that many running uh, back rooms across the NFL, and, and certainly ones that are going to be we you know we meet in the playoffs that have four healthy running backs that are as good and as diverse as as them. So I, Matt, I don't know what you have to say about our running game, but I'm really you know it's like I say we can get it working a bit more we can get I think there's more to come from it we can get more out of it but it's certainly a, a potent running game I think yeah I I, I like our running game I do mm. like your analogy of the four-headed monster thank uh, you very much that I, I do like that. um I think the trouble we've had I, I don't know again whether this is because of the the San Francisco D-line has been just incredible but 111 total rushing yards in that game. It's, mm. it's not ideal. I mean, you look when you've got players like, you know, Derek Henry, who's just, you know, he's getting 2,000 yard seasons on his own. I mean, I know we can't all have a Derek Henry, but <laughs> I wish, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things where you're looking at your, your star running back and he's getting 44 yards from Chris Carson in a game. Mm. I mean, I know he's, he, he he had a couple of little injuries, sort of little things that have, yeah. might be hampering him a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we scored a rushing touchdown. That's you know, that's proof that it's working. And mm. you know, we there's every chance that we could have just been stopped on the on the goal line. Or I think was was it Alex Collins? Did he have the big touchdown run, or am I thinking of yeah the. In the fourth quarter, he, he sort of, I think it was about 34 yards or something like that. Made a few nice yeah, moves, yeah. made a few people miss. Yeah, it was a good run. Yeah, we, we like we like big runs like that. You know, I think it, it all stems as well. I mean, it's going to come a shock hearing this from me, but it all stems from having a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we struggled sort of near the start of the season in terms of the O-line. I mean, Russell's taken a lot of sacks this year. Yeah. Um, and the run blocking, you know, it looks like it's improved. Um, you know, we've got players like, I think Brandon Shell's coming back next week mm-hmm. against the Rams, which is good. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm happy with the Russian touchdown. Um, it's It would be nice to see, I mean, yeah, I know I complained about the fact that we, that we rushed a lot earlier on, saying that we just went rush, rush, and then a pass, but it would be nice to see a little bit more rushing every so often. You know, there's there's plays when we could have rushed it in, instead of in, instead of passing, and I'm yeah. not talking about the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there, there were plays. That, you know, it's it's been the same sort of probably the whole season. Really, there there have been times where we could rush in, instead of passing. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. You know, we've got four running backs that are healthy. I mean, you know, Russ is picking up yards as well. So uh, yeah, I think I think our run game is looking okay. If if we make more use of it, I reckon you know we'll be a bit more balanced. And teams go, are they running it? Are they passing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'll be a bit. We might have a bit more of a fluid offense at that point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, I think all good passing offences start from a good rushing offence. I mean, you've got to have the running game to set up the passing game. Um, you can't just pass the ball every down like we saw with uh, when we had our running backs mainly injured. I think uh, my mind instantly springs to the Bills game when we didn't have uh, anyone other than, I think it was DJ Dallas and Alex Collins were the two starting backs and Travis Homer as well. There was no Carson, no highs, no one like that. And for those few games where those guys were banged up and we didn't have a fully healthy running back room uh, and Russ was, was really having to throw the ball seemingly on every play and he was having these career-high turnover numbers and turnover ratio and, and that just shows that even, even with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, if you get him to throw the ball on every down, he, he's going to be intercepted, he's going to turn the ball over, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, it could be Dwayne Haskins. It could be it could be the worst quarterback in the world, or it could be Tom Brady. It could be Patrick Mahomes. They're going to turn it over if you throw the ball every down. So definitely, our running game has to keep. You know, it's, it, it, we, you always hear it establishing the run, establishing the run, and that's been a big sort of um, a big trademark of our game really since Pete Carroll's been here is establishing the run with powerful backs like Marshall Lynch and Turbin and his day and and all the running backs that we've had since that that are good on the ground we always seem to have good running backs and that sets up the passing game so yeah. I think like you're saying it, it's seemingly in the, this season we've you know in the in the second half of the season trying to force the ball too much and trying to throw the ball too much and you're seeing these turnovers and you're not seeing the running backs get involved as more but when you've got that balanced offense, the the passing game naturally opens up, and there's more opportunities for guys like DK and Lockett to get open because you start sowing the seed of doubt: are they going to run it? Are they going to pass it? It's not it's not predictable. It's not sort of easy to read, and it and it's like I say, it just sets the passing game up. So it, it's it's really important that we get this running game consistently, you know, 100 yards, 150 yards, getting these really good running game um, performances from, from our backs. And I think with these four being healthy now, going into the playoffs, we certainly, this, I would expect to see that now because there's so much um, talent there that we can use and, 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 and develop. Even if you spread those 150, 200 yards across multiple people, it doesn't have to be you know just Chris Carson going for 150 oh, yeah. yards. Get them all involved. Let, let's use what we've got while they're on the 53 and, and, and start opening up this playbook a bit more. Um, so, Pez, I don't know what you have to, to say on our, our running game. I don't know how, what you've made of it this season. Yeah, I kind of agree with um, the things you've been saying, really. Um, I agree with Matt in this last game. Like, you look at the stats, the running stats, they aren't great, but mm. I'm, I'm prepared to forget about the 49ers game a little bit because I have my own little theory on how they played that game because um, even though Pete was like, we're not going to rest any starters, we're not going to rest any starters, there's like not resting starters, but there's also playing like you're resting. Mm-hmm. Just just, just doing enough. Like Pete was happy at 6-0. Like when yeah. it was 6-0, six, six he was loving life. He was like, I'll have this for four quarters. We don't need to stress ourselves. We don't need to get carried away. We've 
got DK and Tyler, their records, and we're mm-hmm. just going to go in complete neutral. And then the Niners, they got them explosives, uh, what I'm sure we'll cover in on the de- defense side of the um, yeah. chat. And then it kind of made him go, all right, then. So in that in that kind of sense, like Alan Co- Alex Collins, that was quite a nice run. He did that shifty little run. So I do mm-hmm. agree in a sense with the four-headed monster because you've got such a mixed variant. But to bring back to the play call inside of things, Chris Carson is best just running straight in the middle, aggressive, hard. He might not get an explosive like your penny who breaks mm-hmm. free and goes, but he will hammer someone and get, 10 yards for the first down and move the chains. But for some unbeknown reason, these last couple of games, they just keep on doing these run sweeps. Like, if you're going to do run sweeps, get DJ Dallas back on the field because get him to the sidelines and running down, that's where he's really good in the run game. Chris Carson is better like a bull in a china shop, smash through the line and go just cause chaos in the middle of the field. So... It does concern me, and then your point, uh, your point you made about establishing more of the run game. Yeah, it, it, I know where you're coming from with that, like, and I do agree. But mm. the thing what scares me again is, Schottenheimer gets too overconfident with these run plays to open up the pass, but we haven't really seen it these last couple of weeks yet. The running, the running heavy. Like, I had a quick look at the run stats of the last couple of games, and they quite high numbers um but then you've got the worry that shot and i will get comfortable and then you've got another green bay game on your hands where it's run 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 oh sh- what do i do now right well yeah. russ go and save us it's too late by this point so that worries me that the that pete carroll style of offense of the run opens up the deep ball and all them evolving things through the game, I just worry that it, are they going to be able to utilise all four men to the full potential? No, yeah, definitely. Um, like I say, it's, again, it, it, keep bringing it back to Shorty, but he is so important in terms of the player con. He makes these decisions. I know Russ makes a, you know, a lot of audibles and plays himself and everything like that, but you know, if we are going to get these four guys involved and, and utilising them, like you say, to the, to the best of their abilities, then it, Shotty is going to have to, you know, do some head scratching and 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 work some things out because it, it's for me it's too talented of a of a quartet to to waste on just running the same players and not getting inventive and, yeah. and getting these guys involved. It's it's such a potent room if we want to use it to its full potential. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say. I've lost my train of thought. Then I was going to say something <laughs> on, uh, on what you just said. Then ex- expand on something what you're going to say. But I think I think Matt wants to say something. So. Yeah, if you want to have the, uh, the final word on the on the running back game, uh, Matt, then be my guest. Go for it, Sam. Yeah, uh, this is just a yeah a general thought about rushing. Really, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the the rushing stats for all teams this year, mm. and the top so the top ten uh, rushing teams. You got the Ravens. Titans, Browns, Patriots, Vikings, Saints, Cardinals, Packers, Eagles, and Rams. Now, a majority of those teams have made it to the playoffs, really. You've got the Ravens, Titans, Saints, Packers, and Rams. Well, half of them 
Half of those mm-hmm. teams have made it. Oh, Cleveland. Yeah, of course, Cleveland have made yeah. it as well. So six. So six of the top ten rushing teams have made it to, to the playoffs, which this may just be arbitrary numbers. You know, Pittsburgh are right at the bottom with the least amount of rushing. Mm-hmm. So it, it shows how important rushing is. I know, obviously, the NFL is, is a, a massive passing game. Yeah. You know, we, we all know that. Um, but when you look at, at passing stats, you know, the top 10, you've got the Chiefs, which have, they've made it to playoffs, the mm-hmm. Bucks playoffs, Bills playoffs, but then you've got the Texans, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the next five. And none of those teams have made it to the playoffs. So mm. it's, it's an interesting thought because, mm. you know, we've, you know, like where we've got so many good running backs, we should be running the ball more, I think. But it's tough because if you're in a position where you need to make a big play, if you're on third and those third and long, you know, you're not going to really run it on that sort of play unless you've got unless you've got a hundred percent confidence in your running back that you can make nine, ten yards, which doesn't really happen that often. But I think. I think we need to sort of have more diverse plays, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, as we've said, we we need to we need to be able to mess with with defenses a bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I say, it's it it keeps coming back to Shorty, and it and it and it will do until you know someone else comes in and 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 starts coming in with new ideas. But um, like you're saying there, it, even though. The NFL is very glitz and glam these days with the the passing games and you know everyone. If a lot of the kids growing up, I, I would imagine. Obviously, I'm not from the state, so I don't. I, you know, I'm not fully written up and, and read up on this, but I would imagine watching the NFL now as a kid growing up, you, you're seeing the guys like DK, you're seeing the guys like Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, anyone you want to mention um, at receiver. These are the guys who, you know, make the most, you know, the most money aside from the quarterbacks. These are the guys who make all the highlight reels on on the YouTube videos and the and the all the things you see on TV and everything, making the big catches, one hand catches. Whereas the running game is just as important, and you could argue that it's even more important um, than the passing game because it's what sets it up. Um, And no real offense is complete without a without a running game being, you know, up to standard as well. Um, so it, you, you're absolutely right. The, the running game is so, so important um, and it can't be overstated how important it is. Um, so we have to get these guys involved. And if we do, I think naturally, like you say, we're, you know, DK's sort of touchdown numbers have, have quietened down a little bit you know, over recent games. But if you start, you know, unleashing these four, four weapons that you've got in the running game and just mixing it up and getting everyone involved, Getting joint coverage away from the guys like DK and Lockett, who we'll come on to just now in a bit more detail. Um, if you can get them guys, you know, not not covered as much per play, not drawing as much double coverage, then then that just opens up more opportunities for them. So get them involved, Shotty, and I can absolutely guarantee you that the offense will start scoring more points and that we'll you know we'll start beating teams a lot more comfortably and we'll start putting up 30, 40, 50 points like we saw against the Jets, which was the only game that we were all able to kick our feet up and just relax and not have a heart attack with because the running game will see us through. So, oh, yeah. on to DK and Lockett because 
they both broke their respective records in the 49ers game, DK, breaking Steve Largent's long-time record for the receiving numbers, um, receiving yards in a season. He's up to 1,300-and-something now, 1,304. Um Incredibly impressive in his second year. And Ty Lockett obviously breaking the uh, number for receptions. I think it was about 94, I think the number is now. Um, so, he again, like I say, and we talked a little bit about this with Lockett in the podcast last week where between you, uh, me and you, Pietro, about Lockett. And it, it just seems that he's sort of maybe not has... He's, he's got another 1,000-yard season. Like I say, he's broke the franchise record for receptions in a season, which is fantastic. And he's, and he's obviously had a fantastic season, but... With Lockett, it just feels like he's he's been a bit quieter this year in terms of touchdowns and big plays, but he's still as important to this offense as he's ever been. With you know a guy like DK being the, the the sort of poster boy for the offense now, you've got to have you know you can't just like say we can't just throw to DK on every play. We've got to have guys like Lockett, guys like little Freddie Swain, who's a really good little contributor, um, the rookie out of Florida. Um, you've got to have these guys involved to allow DK to to shine as 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 much as he does when he you know when he goes for these 60 70 yard players. So I'm I'm just interested to see sort of your your opinions on you know how DK is how do you see him progressing? Do you see him sort of only getting better, or do you see this sort of like 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards as sort of the benchmark now, and that he's probably not going to go over that or do you just think he's just going to completely keep going and rewrite numbers for for receiver is he that good have we got a, a hall of fame receiver on our hands or have we got you know a very just a very very good receiver is it is it you know where can dk go with this um i'd i'd say hall of famer i think he can rewrite a lot um especially with russ um like I don't want to keep hark- harking on back into the play calling, but like <laughs> this team, the last two seasons, they've shown that behind the scenes, mm. whether that's Russ and Pete, someone they're just not agreeing on how offense. Like we spoke about this with uh, my Pete, Pete Carroll, he's he's just got this stubborn arrogance about him that he mm. likes it's his way, and that's it. So. If they can get it figured out and they just get some balance and some harmony back on the offense, then yeah, DK ceiling's very, very high, in my opinion. Um, like people like, oh, but he drops too many balls, he does this, and that'll be in his game for a long time, but I think he will iron it out eventually. Yeah. And like the weapon that Tyler is, like we were talking about Tyler, like the weapon uh, Tyler is, he. Can like if they're used right, they could be the best duo. Well, technically, there's an argument they are the best duo this year, both mm-hmm. over a thousand yards, yeah, uh, on the season. So you can already see that. But then, when you spread that across the season and look it deeper into it, if you can consistently do it, they can complement each other so well. Because like Tyler can draw a lot of the attention of DK. So yeah. when you're getting smacked on one side by DK, you're like, all right, let's double cover DK. But then you, that's when you you got to let Tyler loose. And then you got to make defences go, oh, like, who am I covering here? Who am I covering? And that's how they should be used, in my opinion. But we're just not getting that out of them. And like I said, hopefully we get this offence figured out and then they can both get back on course to... 
like record breaking numbers and DK can just keep on excelling. Like I think he's too good of an athlete to like be held back anyway. I think yeah. he with growth, I think he will just naturally get better by himself. Like yeah. as a, as an individual player, but then obviously you've got Russ. And then I'd imagine in the off season, hopefully in the playoffs, like these next couple of games, we can get things right on the offense and you can see DK tear up the playoffs and we can go on a really deep run. But yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, the ceiling's like 1,500. 1, I think it's achievable every single year for him. But yeah, record breaking numbers, I think I, I, that's what I see. He, he's capable of doing. Um, and then Tyler, this last game, it's really good to see that. Like, what what was it? He he caught 12 of his 14 attempts, 90 yeah. yards, two touchdowns. Like, for how quiet he's been, he is there waiting. Like, I don't mm. think this is on the receivers, this offense. I think, like, he's just done that in a game. What was so, in a way, ugly on offense. But then he only dropped, like, only missed two of the attempts what went to him for 90 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. You've got to be really happy. And to, to be optimistic and positive about it, that's a really good sign to take away going into the playoffs to say, well, Tyler isn't banged up and Tyler, like, isn't struggling with injuries and stuff because he's putting a solid performance there going into the playoffs. No, absolutely. Um like I say, it, it hopefully we're just sort of seeing these guys hit, you know, I don't want to say hit stride because, like I say, they have been brilliant this season, but sort of hit a more, you know, more in terms of the, the yards that they go for in a game. I think that, that must have been Lockett's biggest game in yardage for, for quite a few games now. Um, like I say, coming up with a big catch, a big touchdown on the uh, on the fourth, in the fourth quarter, uh, at the end of the game to, to ultimately win us the game. Um, it, it just felt like, Again, every sort of big play in that game was was made by Lockett, every big catch. Um, and that's what we've been used to seeing with Lockett um, since he's been here, really. Um, he's been the you know, the, since Doug Baldwin sort of stepped aside and retired, it, the, the, the spotlight went to Tyler Lockett. Um, and and he's, he has been brilliant. But, it, you know, in the second half of the season, it has sort of felt that Lockett's sort of, although, yeah, he's still making catches and he's still making plays and he's still, you know, just as important as he was, you know, since he's been here, um, it just feels like we'd lo- we'd lost them big games from Lockett and those big moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if we if we can get that back, then if like you say he's him and DK are, are the two, in my opinion, two of the best receivers in the league. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was um, I was going to say that I think um, we we spoke about it last week that I think everyone jumped on with with just cause from the start of the season, everyone jumped on the DK train. Mm. And I think everyone started forgetting and sleeping on like Tyler and what he actually brings. And like DK, like for the rest of his career, and this is probably something he's going to have to work on to develop better. He's always going to be double covered unless you've got a Jalen Ramsey. But I personally believe that if Russ, goes back to the start of the season where you put up that 50-50 ball, I think DK gets the better of Ramsey a lot of the time, in my personal opinion, uh, because he's proved it through some of the elite corners this season, who he's burnt when they put him on uh, man up, uh, just single coverage 
mm-hmm. like just them on him. Um, but I think at this moment, you need to take advantage of that and just get over the fact of DK, num- the number one receiver, and l- let the- let teams do that. Take DK out of a game because let them remember what Tyler can do. Yeah. And just destroy them with him. Oh, absolutely. Um, Matt, I don't know what you have to say on our our two receivers this season. Um, I, I guess I would hope that, and I would imagine that you're pretty impressed with them as well. But what, what have you made of DK and Lockett this season? And how far do you see these two going and the partnership that they're developing? Yeah, I I, I love both of them. I can't see yeah. this offence working without without the two, you know, without Lockett and without DK, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, our other, you know, our other receivers are still great players, but I think, you know, DK and, and Lockett are, are where it's at, you know, I mean, we we say Lockett's been quiet this season, he's got the same number of touchdowns as DK, both of them mm. have got 10, uh, but you know, lockets have come in bursts. You know, you had three against the Cardinals, three against the Cowboys, yeah, two against the Niners the other day. You know, and the other two uh, Cardinals and Patriots games where he got yeah. touchdowns. So, you know, he's 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 you know he's a touchdown machine. Um, you know, over a thousand yards this season. He you know he finished with three less yards than last year. You know, that's in the real yeah. world. That's that's pretty consistent. Um, I mean, you know, all right, he hasn't had the big plays like that play against the Rams where he scored the toe tap touchdown a while back. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's still there. And I think that's the good thing about him as a player is that I guess he's, he's not been respected in the, mm. in the way that he should have been. Because teams like, oh, DK Metcalf, oh, scary. And then you're like, oh, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. You know, that's, you can't look at him that way. You can't just go, oh, it's, it's only Lockett, we'll just mark DK. You know, yeah. you, they can't do that. They're two incredible weapons. I mean, I jumped, as you, you mentioned earlier, about jumping on the DK train. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I will admit I did that. Mm-hmm. I did that massively. Um, <laughs> that, that was me. I think, I think everyone did. Yeah, I my ticket. It's hard not to. <laughs> yeah, I think I, everyone I, got a free ticket. Yeah, I've, I've got a few friends at work who are who are who are NFL fans as well. And you know, we sit there discussing every day about you know who's the best receiver. You know, what's going on and why. You know, why do I think the Seahawks are just elite offensively? I mean, not over the last three games, but last four games whatever it is but mm-hmm. you know I've always said that DK is going to be the next Megatron as in Calvin Johnson so yeah. you know it's that we've got two great players we just need uh, again I know we don't want to keep as Pietro mentioned we don't want to keep going back to it but a lot of it is to do with play calling I believe Definitely. as well I mean you know you, you could have I know you can have four receivers you could have Stefan Diggs DeAndre Hopkins DK Metcalf and I don't know Devontae Adams you could have them all lining up for you in the same game but if you don't call the plays correctly then mm. you know it, it's not going to work but you know I, I, I do like the fact that Lockett's had a slightly understated season yeah. because he gives he gives us an option for when DK's covered because obviously you can't just say oh yeah you know We'll throw all our passes to DK. 
it does, that doesn't work. No. We know that. So it's no disrespect to Lockett at all, but he almost seems it almost seems like he's been forgotten about a little bit, which in a way is a good thing if that if that makes sense. He sort yeah. of keeps that option open. Yeah. So. Um, I, I totally agree with you, Matt, because I I have that kind of outlook on these kind of things um, where I'm glad teams are starting to sleep on him because it'll burn you. But I just worry that with the way the play calling has been going and stuff, we're not going to get you know that idea that sleep on him because then leave him open, leave him one-on-one and he'll burn his guy. But I just worry that we won't ever see that materialised, you know, to its full advantage. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to drop two things, two thoughts I had then whilst we were talking. That Do you reckon that because you've got, in my opinion, two elite wide receivers on your mm-hmm. team, do you think there's becoming a bit of a struggle to please them both? Do you know, to create plays to even even it out so they're both happy because they are both, in my opinion, elite. And another thing thought I had, why could this offense be stalling? Because all anyone ever talks about is DK and Tyler Lockett. Because yeah. all the plays really just go to DK and Tyler Lockett and then the odd to David Moore and then Freddie Swain has a little chuck in there and then the tight ends get the dink and dunk stuff. But when you look at it, it's like... If Tyler and DK aren't open, who are we talking about? We're not talking about... I don't think Freddie Swain has that connection with Rush yet where he could chuck that deep ball and Freddie will be able to, like, contort his body, keeping his feet in, like, your lockets and your DKs and David Moore, showing he can do. Like, I think Swain, over the off-season and stuff, if he works with Rush, then he could be a really turn into a really good um, wide receiver three or four. But there's just two thoughts I had, um, what I thought I'd put towards you both. Like, what do you think on them? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like, it's I can sort of relate the first one um, about, you know, um, having two elite receivers and, what you know, how do you please them both? I think it's similar to how, um, and we talked about it, uh, this again in the last podcast, um, with Ken Norton and, and, and all the talent that he's had, you know, you know, dumped on his desk in terms of Jamal Adams, Carlos Dunlap and, and all the guys that the organisation have gone out and got for him to use and to play with. It's like, it must be sort of in a way the same for, for Schottenheimer. He knows he's got these two top level receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And in a way, could it be because he's sort of, he's trying to, like I say, he's trying to please everyone. He's trying to please them both. He's trying to get them both involved as much as you know people want them to. Because the fan base, are, you know, you know, we when it's it's hard not to as a fan when you know you've got a guy like DK Metcalf on your team. You want to see him as a fan go and make these 60, 70, 80 yard plays every game touchdowns. You you want to see it because you know it. You know he can do it. We've seen it. So when we're not seeing it every play and we're not seeing balls. Um, going up for 70 yards to DK and on these big, you know, unbelievable throws, rainbow throws by Russ to Lockett and DK. When we're not seeing that, it sort of feels like, oh, well, we're wasting them then. And, you know, what's the point in having them? And the offense is boring and it's, and it's, but it just must be, I know if I was the offensive coordinator, I think 
you would sort of feel a, a sense of responsibility in terms of I have to get these guys involved, but I, you know, when do I do it? Do I do it at this time? Do I do it in this situation? You know, getting that balance, I think, is where Schottenheimer possibly might have, you know, come undone a little bit because he hasn't found this sort of consistent balance and this consistent sort of method of getting these these two guys involved every player. Um, I don't know what you have to say about that, Matt. It's a very, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I mean, trying to please two receivers of that level is not going to be easy. No. You know, it, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, again, I know I'm coming at this from a very heavy stats perspective, but I mean, you know, Lockett had yeah, he had a 200-yard game against when we played the Cardinals in the game that we lost when we were when we were at State Farm. Yeah, and I mean, you can have you know you can have a game like that. He had a, a fantastic game, three touchdowns, and we still lose. We still lose the game. But mm-hmm. anyway, we you know we lose the game, and all of a sudden that performance gets lost. People forget that he's done. He's played a game like that. You know, mm-hmm. hundred yards receiving against the Cowboys three touchdowns but then that gets lost because it's the Cowboys who you know they weren't great this year but you know trying to please two players like that I think you almost need to get you know get together and go look this defense is more suited to your play style so we're gonna you know we're gonna target you more in this game because we reckon they're not going to be able to deal with you and vice versa but I don't I mean I wouldn't know how that would work myself but that's just that's just a guess. But you know, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to to keep those two sort of on level on level ground with each other. Um, yeah, it all depends. I mean, you look at you know you look at Tom Brady in Tampa. He's got what well, he's got: Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Mm. You know, three incredible receivers, and he's got to try and try and keep all yeah. three happy. At the same time, so you know it's it's going to be difficult, especially when players like you know when you know David Moore starts becoming more involved, Freddie Swain gets more involved. Mm-hmm. You know we've we've got really good receivers. We just, as you say, we need to try and find a way to keep everyone happy. And I don't know how that will be because you can't throw that many passes to everyone in a game. Uh, but. It'll be interesting to see how it how it pans out. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, but talking about keeping people happy, we'll go over to the defensive side of the ball because everyone seems to be playing with a smile on their face on on that side of the ball on that side of our team. Another fantastic day for a pass rush against the Forty Niners. Um, you know, we forced punts on their opening four drives. We just absolutely shut them out for the first sort of. I would say the first half, and then it got to the second half, third quarter, and then the, the Niners scored. I think they scored about 16 unanswered points at one point, and you were sort of thinking, well, the defense is starting. This is starting to look like the defense of, at the start of the season. You know, we're starting to it's starting to unravel again. What's going on? And you're starting to fret, and you're starting to get worried because the defense is going back to its how it's been before. But then they stepped up again when we needed them to. Um, you know, bend but don't break and, and all this kind of stuff. Big days for Benson Maiowa. Uh, Puna Ford had another good game. Machine Green with that uh, fumble recovery. Um, you know, Jamal Adams when he was healthy and when he was on the field, obviously, fingers crossed, he'll be good to go this weekend. 
um, and, and through the rest of the playoffs if we keep going. Um, Carlos Dunlap, again, absolutely changed the defence since he's come in, changed the mentality, changed the energy. Absolutely fantastic. Another great day from him. You could go along the entire defensive line and, and just name everyone who came in and, and because they would have made their own players. Everyone put some film on tape from that game again. Um, but, you know, there was a few sort of question marks in the in the secondary in terms of the coverage. You know, there was, a, again, Shaq Griffin, you know, on a few players got burned and, and, and poor coverage from him, which is, again, we've seen that quite often this season from Shaq. Um, he's got good interception numbers, but he, he, it, it's his coverage that does let him down at times. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on sort of our pass rush and, and just how much it's improved and, and sort of do you think this this pass rush and this secondary and this defence as a whole is going to be good enough to see us through when hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll, we might meet a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs in the big games when we need them to step up because it's all fine and well and it's great you know, when we're doing it against the teams that we played in the regular season but the playoffs, like I said, um, it's that it's that often used phrase that the playoffs is its own separate season. You play your own separate games. It's completely different. When this defense knows they're in a playoff game, are they going to be able to, you know, step up and keep this form going? So I'll be interested to hear what you guys have got to say on that, Matt. If you want to go first, mate. Um. Yeah. Defense. You know, defensive line. Wow. I mean, what a turnaround it's been yeah. since the start of the season. You know. Three sacks in a game. That's that's good. That's good for actually getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, I like I like that. Um, no interceptions though, which is I find strange, mm. considering you know the receiving core of you know of of the Niners is is basically just George Kittle at the minute. I mean, yeah. Kendrick Bourne had had a good game, um, but I don't know. I think but. This is, it's going to sound strange. It's going to sound like a broken record, but a lot of the problems we had on defense was because they were. I reckon it's because the players might, you know, they might be getting tired because the offense had been coming off the pitch so many, uh, off the field so many times. Yeah. And the defense were having to play so much, and then is that back down to play calling again? So I don't. Mm. I, we can't. I, I can't bring everything back to offensive <laughs> play calling, but. It kind of seems like all of our problems stem from difficulties on offense. Because you think if the offense were were, were firing on all on all four cylinders, yeah. you know, the defense wouldn't be getting tired because they wouldn't be on the field as much. Mm. So they'd be able to play at that that full intensity the whole time. But and I think that's what happened. Obviously, in the fourth quarter, we gave up what was it, sixteen points? Was it? Yeah, sixteen. Fourteen points. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so. It's yeah, it's interesting because it's. I mean, defense. You know, they played amazing football first three quarters. You know, nine points given up in three quarters. I mean, you know, San Fran managed to only give up six, but then that's probably an offensive story or, or offensive faults on our front. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's difficult to judge the defense on a full game performance at the minute just because they would have got. It would have gotten tired, you know. It's it's difficult. Um, I know we're all big fans of Jordan Brooks here, and I don't know how many stats he had uh, in that game. But oh, he was excellent again, wasn't he? You know, he's he's what a player. But 
yeah, it's it's a tough one. I'd like to see some interceptions. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see some maybe some big play, well, bigger, even bigger plays from Jamal Adams. But it's 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 difficult to to judge. I'm still a bit unsure, a bit uneasy with our with our offense. Uh, sorry, defense at the minute. Yeah, um, like I say, with the the no turnovers and no interceptions again, we'll we'll come on to that in a second. With the no defensive touchdowns or points this season, um, Pietro, I know you're again like 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 the uh, like the play called very opinionated on your coverage and and especially Shaq Griffin. Um, I mean, how did you view the defensive performance from the 49ers from a sort of uh, a pass rushing perspective and a coverage perspective? Are they is the pass rush a lot better than the coverage, or is the coverage okay? Is it holding up for you? How, how did you see it? Um, I agree with Matt in what he said. He said about um, with when the offense. See, now it's kind of a two-sided coyness because when the offense is not doing well, hmm. then eventually the defense starts slowing down. Because I looked into this before we uh, started recording. Um. But then when the offense was firing at the start of the year, I don't think they helped the D because I think I think the D still had, like we spoke about last week, um, they got a lot of like alpha males on that. They got a lot of big personalities. Mm-hmm. And I think the offense firing as hot as they were didn't help the D because it's, it's kind of like the same thing. The offense goes three and out, D's back on the field. Russell Wilson does three plays touchdown. The D's back on the field again, inevitably tiring them out. So it got me thinking. I looked into the last three games where the offense in, hasn't been as like on fire as people would like it. Yeah. And them three games, the yards allowed on D were 353, 334, and 328 compared to the games before that, what were in the 200s, and then obviously the Jets was below 200. But yeah. before that, it was like underneath the 300 mark. And then it started to slowly creep up again. And because you've started noticing the offenses, the offensive struggle is taking it out on the D. And obviously, people who like have long memories will worry about that because they'll be like, oh, is the D all it, all it's set out to be? Where um, I saw a stat, what someone tweeted out the other day, that in all areas of defense, except for, I think, one, we're like, I'm pretty sure we're like top five in every single category, if not top. I might go as bold without having it directly in front of me, so don't quote me on it, but I might go as bold as we're in the top three for nearly every single category on defense. Mm. So, yeah, I think... I, I love the coverage. Um, I love the pass rush at the moment. Like you said, uh, Benson Mayota had himself a game. Yeah. Um, like only three sacks, five tackles for loss, and Green with his one force fumble. Mm. Um, let me just get the style puzzle looking at on Mayota. So Mayota, uh, two tackles. Well, three tackles on the day, two sacks and a tackle for loss. And obviously, he had that big chop, what forced 
what yeah. lost Bumble and then recovery. So he had an amazing day. And then obviously Jordan Brooks leads the team back-to-back games with nine overall tackles. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got a lot of love for him. I've been saying it ever since we drafted him. Everyone was questioning it. Everyone was moaning through the season. But what he, he's just shook like my little gush on Jordan Brooks two weeks in a row. He's just showing it all, isn't he? He's just oh, yeah. he's just showing it all. The play I love the most that like got me excited was when they were doing a run play and all the linemen had, had their their guy blocked and then there was a one lineman who ran around the outside I'm, I don't know the technical word and maybe Matt might be able to help us. Um one like sweeped on the outside to block to block Wagner and then Kittle was cutting across to take out Brooks. And then yeah. the, the running back was going to use that hole between Brooks and Wagner to burst through. And Brooks just was like, nah, I'm not Flattened, having that. I'm not having that. Just bull rush full speed into him and yeah. completely wiped him out. Not only just wiping him out and being satisfied, he took the running back down whilst he was going past him as well. Like, mm-hmm. You should, people are just starting to notice what he's capable of. Like these last two games, he's just showcasing what he's truly capable of doing. And he's so explosive, isn't he? Yeah, it makes me excited because you got you like you look at it now. You got him who is. I just think he's bottled up at the moment because he's a rookie and he's just tra- he's trying to like stay within the boundaries of the coaching. But then I think if you like, you watch him at Texas Tech and you watch all his film, he's got such a good football IQ that I think he's got his own ideas. Like, you know, like a bit like a Jamal Adams and Bobby yeah. Wagner. Like, yeah. it's season now, but when Bobby first came in the league, like, Bobby was like that. And you got Diggs who just loves whacking people, DJ Reed, and you start looking at these individual pieces who are gelling together now, and they're starting to get to know each other. They're starting to trust each other. I, I just see really good things. It might not be this season, but like I said to you last week, it's just giving me the vibes. It's giving me the nice championship vibes we felt in like 2012, 13, 14. Yeah. Um, not to go off the total defense as a whole and just gush about <laughs> Jordan Brooks for five minutes. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. Uh, I think, like, like I say, I think with Jordan Brooks that just that that, that stands out with me. Is, is how quick he is. He's just so... He's almost like... I think you could put him at defensive end because he's that explosive. He's just... His, his quickness, his side-to-side speed, he bursts through the line. And like you say, that, that play on Kittle and then the tackle on the running back as well. I mean, the fact that it was on Kittle even more, just... It just Oh, mwah, it was beautiful. The fact the fact that he flattened George Kittle oh, yeah. is, is, was good enough for me. I didn't care if that play went for 30, 40 yards, touchdown, whatever. The fact that he just laid the boom out on Kittle was enough for me. Um, but to make the play as well, and then, oh, he's, he's, he's just been so consistent. Also, he hasn't seemed to have a bad player. Yes, he's probably missed one or two tackles here and you know might have given up one or two players, as every player in the NFL does, regardless of their ability. But in, for a rookie to come in like this and, and just he's just made that third linebacker position his own. It feels like he's been there for you know as long as Bobby and KJ have been. It just looks it just looks right. It just looks 
really, really, really good for the future going forward. I know Bobby and KJ are getting on the wrong side of 30 now, but at least for the next few years, certainly Bobby's still going to be here. To keep developing as a player, as a linebacker, as a as a young lad, there's not there's no better linebacker to learn from really in the game at the minute than, than Bobby Wagner. And you can see that starting to he's starting to show the traits of Bobby Wagner, like you were saying, this sort of field general way he calls his own players, he, he knows what he's gonna do, he sees the player develop and he just looks so experienced. I don't know what you've got to think on, on that Matt. I don't know what you've made of John Brooks and, and the defence as a whole this season. Yeah. Um I mean we we've you know, the Jordan Brooks appreciation moment. I think that needs to be a weekly <laughs> occurrence now really, doesn't it? Um, well, a weekly segment on the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you're saying about you know his speed and his his tackling, as you said, laying it in on um, on George Kittle. You know we love mm. that. Um, making a play. You, you mentioned about um, one of the offensive linemen. Uh, you know, making some plays. Uh, you know, pulling. And you said that he made. Do you make? You made a play against the lineman. I, I think it was. I, I might have misheard that. But um, yeah, sorry. It was uh, on that. When he just blew Kittle up and just put him on his ass, um, it was a were, running back, wasn't it? I can't. Yeah, the running back. Though. It was a running play, and then the there was one lineman on the left hand side who sweeped out to then block uh, Bobby. Ah, right. Okay. I didn't. I just didn't know the technical word into like yeah. what that move was. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember the play off the top of my head. So that that would have been a pull. So you would have had the the lineman pull behind the line. Uh, and make a block in the middle of in the middle of the line. That's one of my favourite things to do personally. I love it. It's great. Um, but you know, if, if you're a linebacker like Mr. Brooks, and you can make a play and you can get there quicker than the the offensive lineman can, then you know, if you can get in that gap, happy days. You know that that's a play. And if Brooks has got that speed, which we know he has, you know, he'll be he'll be doing great things from that linebacker position and just to add you, you mentioned earlier as well about the um, like the NFL ranks in, in terms of points over the last few weeks I've got that stat on my phone um, so the first 11 weeks we were at, ranked 28th sorry in points given up 32nd in total yards 32nd in pass yards and 28th in red zone touchdown percentage and last week, uh, last five weeks, we were we've been first in points given up, second in total yards, third in pass yards, and second in red zone touchdown percentage. Which, you know, that wow. Ken Norton knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah. But you know, if, if Brooks gets his chance, you know, this, like I said, this is the, the weekly Jordan Brooks appreciation you know if if he sticks with us and if he gets more snaps i reckon we've got a well we've got a proper player already but you know i reckon it's gonna be something special just uh just on jordan brooks then like for the um i was thinking about it today because i was watching a full may have a love with him because i'm just happy that I pulled it off when he was drafted and it's coming to coming to fruition now that he's actually is good. Um, I was watching a breakdown from the first Rams game and like everyone said that 
oh, Pete's figured out McVeigh. And I'm interested to see Jordan Brooks is rep count from the game, what was 28, and then the first game they played in LA. Because I don't think, he, I remember seeing it, I thought, why why is he not getting more reps? Because it really annoyed me, because that's why he was drafted. He was drafted to stop the sweeps and um, the screens and things like that. And it proved it, because I watched a film breakdown, and going into this Rams game, I honestly think Jordan Brooks on defence is the key to just stop this whole Rams offence. Like, don't get me wrong, McVeigh is a mastermind on offense, but there's a film breakdown um, from things he did in that game, and it just shows how important he is to completely shut the Rams down, Goff or Welford or whatever. So I, I, I'm looking at Jordan Brooks is the key for this uh, Rams game coming up, uh, for me personally. And just to add as well, the amount of people who had a negative thing saying he can't cover. And then you've got Patrick Queen, who's meant to be the better cover linebacker. And Jordan Brooks at the end of the regular season got something like a 49 cover rating of PFF and Patrick Queen only got 20 something. Wow. That goes to show how much we won. And that all for, that's, that's for all them fans who complained midway through the season when Patrick Queen had one decent game. Why the hell did we draft Jordan Brooks? Now... They're all starting to see why. Absolutely. Um, so we'll finish off on the defence, talking a little bit about this zero points thing, um, because I think it's worth a mention. Um, zero points in terms of defensive touchdowns, defensive pick sixes, you know, fumble, fumble recoveries, taking it to the house. We haven't seen a single one during the regular season. Obviously, we've still got the playoffs to come, but during the regular season, not a single point off defence. Is that, for me, there's two ways of looking at it. Is that, you know, you can look at it in the way that, that's a concern for the defense going forward that they're not getting, you know, turnovers in terms of taking them to the house and, and scoring off them, and they're not getting points and helping the offense out in in that sense, um, and possibly making games easier for the offense and not as close as they need to be. But then you can also look at that and say, well, it's just showing how good of an offense this has been this season and how good of a job they've actually done it, even after all the criticism they're coming under, and and rightly so because the offense has slowed down the second half of the season. Nobody. I don't think anyone would argue against that. But so, you know, I'm interested in hearing both your opinions. Is this, you know, zero points things off, off, off turnovers and everything? Is that a concern for the defence or is that more of a plus point for the offence? I don't know how you see that, Matt. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. So, yeah, how do you see it? Um, it's difficult. Um, defences that score points, they are nice. Uh, yeah. is, a, is a nice thing to have. I mean, you look at the Dolphins with Xavier Howard, you know, yeah. 10 interceptions in a year. That's mad. Stats like that, it's just, I think, is it 10? Yeah, 10 interceptions. Yeah, 10, yeah. Yeah, things like that. I mean, I don't know who our highest, who's got the highest number of interceptions on our team is. Um, Probably but, Shaq, I would imagine. You know, it's, Interceptions are important. I love interceptions. It's Quandre. Um, is it Quandre? Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's got five, five or six, hasn't it? Yeah, five. See, where are we? Yeah, I think, you know, scoring defence, we like scoring defences. We like them a lot. Um, it's it's hard to say if it's an issue offensively because our offence are just, well, can be that good. Yeah. 
um, you know, extra points. You know, if you can get a pick six every now and then, that's quite nice. Um, special teams as well. I don't, th- I don't think we had a punt return or a kickoff return touchdown at all. I mean, those kick return touchdowns are quite rare as it is. Yeah, we nearly had that kick return in the end zone against the, um, I can't think who it was now, where Dallas didn't recover it, which should have been a, a gimme special teams touchdown. Um, yeah. But no, you, you're right. We haven't seemingly had any sort of points off special teams, defence, nothing like that, no. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we keep playing the same way we played in the last five weeks, then our defence is perfectly adequate. Um, but it would be nice to have a couple of scores. We can't. We can't ask for everything. No, uh, I, I know we are quite needy. Well, needy. <laughs> we are, yeah. you know, we 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 do like a lot. As you know, we expect a lot of of our team. Um, but I I don't think it's too much of an issue, really. I'm I'm not massively concerned about it. No, um, and like I say, if, I think. In terms of expectations with with scoring defense and everything, I think for those of us who've been following the team since the Legion of Boom days and everything like that, when you had guys like Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and and guys like that seemingly taking every interception they had and taking it to the house, all right, if if not to the house, you know, half the field and and setting us setting our offense up um, down in the red zone because they were such good athletes in terms of once they had the ball in their hands, they they were like kick returners themselves. Um, so in, in, in Seattle, under Pete Carroll, the, the scoring defence has been a big, big thing. We have always been quite high ranking in scoring defence. And so for it to be absolutely zero, you know, technically the worst because, you know, we've got zero. Um, it, 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 it is a little bit of a, it's a bit of a shock. Like I say, I don't think it's too much of a concern either. Um, because like I say, the offence is still doing enough. If the offence was really, really slowing down and really sort of having a tough year, and your defense aren't helping out either, then that would definitely be, a, you know, definitely a concern. Um, but Russ is doing enough. The offense is still doing enough to score points. Um, so I don't see it being a big problem long term either. I don't know what you have to say about it, Pietro. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it being a problem personally. I think um, when it comes to um, scoring defense, as in. Like creating turnovers, yeah, that that would be best. There's so many like miss picks what were left on the field by various different defenders. But when it comes to scoring defense, I'm not, I'm, I don't really care too much for it because if you're relying, if after the end of a game, it's like, oh, if only the defense could have created a turnover like a pick six. If you're talking about something like that, then the then it's not the defence's problem, it's the offence's problem. The defence should never be relied on to score points. It's nice to create a nice cushion and like changing how the game is going at the time. But yeah. for, for me, you know, I, I don't think you should rely on the defence scoring points because that's at the end of the day, it's not their job. It's the job's to stop receive, like yeah. giving away points. Mm-hmm. Instead of actually creating them for your own team, that's what the offense is there for. So yeah, no, I don't, I, I, I don't have an issue with that. Like, as it, but then interceptions, yeah, there's some like 
bankers we should have uh, had through the season. Absolutely. I mean, Jamal Adams comes to mind instantly when we think of a few interceptions that he definitely should have had. KJ has missed a few, um, bless him, even though he's had a great year, he's, he always seems to miss a few few easy interceptions. Um, but, you know, that's just part of playing defence and you make play, you make some players, you don't make some players. And Jamal Adams is too good of a player, KJ Wright's too good of a player to not start getting interceptions and getting turnovers in, in that sense. So I, I would I would not be concerned one bit really going forward. Um, and to bring it to a close, we'll briefly go over the uh, the Rams game this weekend. Um, how are we all feeling? Are we obviously the Rams came to us earlier um, in the season? You know, we, we've we've lost to them. We've beat we've beaten them um, against a, a Jared Goff led team that was very very poor on offense. Um, but looking like there's going to be no Jared Goff this weekend. It's looking like it's going to be the backup John Walford. Um, who only started his first NFL game in Week 17 against the Cardinals, which he he, he won for the Rams and secured the playoff spot for them. Um, so we can't we can't underestimate him too much. Um, obviously, with our record against backups, anyway, we shouldn't be underestimating any backup. Um, but for me, it's it's a funny one. I'm not completely confident. I think we'll win. Don't get me wrong. I do think we'll get. I, I think we'll win. We'll get the job done in the end. But the Rams always always play as close. Um, the defense is too good to not give their offense a chance in this game for me, um, regardless who's in at quarterback. Um, so it's and obviously they're going to be they're going to be wanting revenge. Aaron Donald said this week that you know it was the perfect team, or it was exactly who they wanted, or something like that. So that they're fired up and rightly so, and 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 we would expect the same um, of our boys as well. So um, I think we'll get the job done, but. It's 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 the Seahawks. It isn't going to be easy. Um, they'll no doubt make it hard for themselves. So, interested to hear what you think going into the playoffs, boys. How far do you think we can go? As is, are we are we wrong to be just looking past the Rams already? Is there a you know is there a hiccup? Is there a potential stumbling block here? That are the Rams, you know, are, are they going to cause an upset? What what do we think? Um, you can't overlook the Rams because of the defense. Like yeah. I, when Aaron Donald is looking dead in the camera going, that's the match we want, then you've got to kind of be worried about <laughs> what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah. But um, as long as our offense can figure it out and score points, like people got overexcited about Wolford, in my opinion. You look at his stats from that game and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if they just got excited because they've actually got a mobile, co- uh, a mobile quarterback. Like, instead of uh, Goff, but you look at Wolford's stats, he completed 23 of 38, 231 yards, one interception, no touchdowns. Yeah, not great. Like, do, you, do you really want to jump on his back and go into the playoffs? Like, with the way RD's been playing, I think a young guy like that, he only needs Jamal Adams to whack him, Dunlap to get to him, a few knocks, and you might see him regress. I just don't. I don't think that off it. I'll be very surprised if their offense goes red hot. Yeah, like he might throw some surprises out there if it is Walford, because there's no. It wouldn't surprise me if Goff got thrown out there experience-wise. Yeah. But with the way our D's been playing, I think with Goff with the bad thumb, mm-hmm. it'll take about two knocks before his head falls off, and then. <laughs> That's him done. And then Wolford, I just, he might be able to run around and I, I give it, 
I give it the first half. He might surprise yeah. everyone. He might, he might throw a few explosives and he might get like if Cooper Cup's actually back. I don't know if he's still I think on he there. Is, yeah. I think he is back, yeah. I, I saw something that if he's on the COVID list, he might not make it back. Mm. But if okay. he doesn't, then you've got Robert Woods and stuff. So he, he might yeah. be able to scramble, you know, make a few things happen. But that energy will soon disappear with, with our defence and the way they're playing at the moment and how the pressure and the hits and the sacks and everything they're getting at the moment, I reckon for a young guy who's not got any experience, I reckon that will take its toll. So I, I don't know how ugly it will be or how easy, but I, I can see us beating them. But yeah. I, I wouldn't sleep on that defence enough to say who we got in the next round. No, definitely not. Buy in. Go on. Um, a, a tweet from Adam Schefter five minutes ago that says the Rams Great. have announced that they activated wide receiver Cooper Cup from the reserve slash COVID nineteen list, meaning that he will be playing. Well, that's dun, a bastard. Him on track to play against us on Sunday. Well, that's a bastard because the game is Saturday. It'll be it'll be an interesting one because they left Hugo on him all hmm. game two weeks ago, and he was just burning him like third and fifteen. Oh well, doesn't matter. It's going to be a first down because Cooper Cup's just going to be wide open in the middle of the field, and Ugo's yeah. going to be trailing him. Yeah, that's a worry going into these playoffs as well. Ugo, these last couple of games in coverage, is started to catch my eye with the amount of times he's getting burnt. Mm-hmm. Now, so do you think it would be worth doubling Cooper Cup this weekend then if he plays? I don't know whether it would be worth. And this is a bold shout, bringing Trey back into outside Ooh. and freeing up DJ to then go inside because DJ is better in the coverage. Mm-hmm. And then let's see what DJ does against Cooper. And then, But then obviously Trey's not played for a while and would you want to take Trey. that risk yeah. on Trey? It's an interesting one. What, what do you think, Matt? Are you, are you confident we're going to get the win over the Rams or do you see a, a, a Rams fight back and a Rams bit of an upset this weekend? Um, well, I mean, we played the Jared Goff Rams two weeks ago and as we've said a couple of times, we know what happens to us against backup QB. Yeah. We play down, you know. All it, I mean, it's just going to sound strange, but change as a QB. You know, I know obviously it's the most important position on the field. But, you know, anyone can throw a good could go you know, can throw a good pass. Even somebody like Colt McCoy, you know, destroyed us mm-hmm. against 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 the well, we play the Giants. So you know, I'm I'm a bit nervous. It sounds strange you think you'd nervous to play against a backup QB, but the way the way we play against backups, it concerns me. So I'm not sure. Just to just to put in on that one, like I look at it and go, I, I totally get it because we've spoke about this numerous times about backups and the way we just like to shoot ourselves in the foot with him. I just don't know about a back a young, inexperienced backup. Because the backups we get burnt off are they might not be the greatest QBs, but the the ones with experience, like your Nick Mullins, your Colt McCoy, he isn't great, but he's been in the league. He just knows what he needs to do. Whereas these younger guys, I, I, 
I think the inexperience factor gives me confidence that we won't be yeah. the usual Seahawks against backups. Like you say, I think the quarterbacks that have come in and played back up against us when they have came in have been, like you say, have been more experienced guys. The guys like Colt McCoy, um, you know, Bessard, um You can you can go on Nick Mullins, um, all of them. They they all seem to be more experienced. The ones that have a better game against us. So you are right in that sense. Maybe this guy who is only just coming off his first start in the NFL is it, you know never mind his first playoff game. Um, is the occasion going to get to him? Obviously, there's going to be no fans in in uh, in Lumen Field, so you know you would imagine that would have helped even more. Um, but just that you know that pressure and knowing that it's a playoff game. Yes, I think the Rams' defense will give them chances and opportunities to keep the game close. But if our offense can can just do what it needs to do in the right moments, and the defense can keep playing at this consistent level, then we shouldn't shouldn't have a problem against the uh, the Rams in terms of them outscoring us. Um, so to yeah. wrap it up, um, I'll go for it. I'll go around the room. Quick little score predictions um, oh, for me. Uh, yeah, no, not that we'll get. I mean, wh- whenever anyone asks me for a score prediction, it's you know what, whatever I say. Everyone who's listening, just bet against what I say because it's not going to come true at all. Um, but I am going to go for a Seahawks twenty-eight to seventeen win over the LA Rams. Matt, what's your prediction, mate? I've been dreading this for the last hour and a half or so. <laughs> I've come up with a score prediction. Uh, um, I reckon it's going to be a big defensive game. So I reckon I'm going to say something like 17. Well, I'll, I'll go for the, the Eagles. We'll call it the Eagles score because this happened to us twice in a row. 17 to 9. Was it seventeen to nine? Oh no, yeah, we we, Eagles, we do seem yeah. to like seventeen to nine against the Eagles. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's a popular one. Go with that. And just Get whilst we're here, can we? What, oh, yeah. what about the uh, first touchdown score as well? First touchdown score. God. Get the betting apps out, lads. Oh, first touchdown score, Chris Carson. Chris Carson. Snap. I'm going to go Alex Collins. Chris Carson's fucked it now. Yeah, it will be Alex Collins there. Very interesting. Um, Pietro, what's your score prediction? Oh, I thought I got away with this. He's, no, you're not getting Matt, away with it. Matt, you were sweating about it for the last hour and a half. I, I got completely blindsided. I didn't know we were doing this, so I'm going to wing it on top of my head and it's going to sound stupid. But um, I'm going to go, sticking with what I said about the defence, the faith in the D and the quarterback issues. So I'm going to say they'll score a touchdown. They better do. No, the Rams will score a touchdown this time. They won't get held to field goals. But I'm going to say 28-13 Seahawks. Interesting. Interesting. Well... Let's hope they all come true. Hopefully, the uh, the twenty eight ones more than the set because I can't deal with another seventeen nine. It's just it, <laughs> how how that happens twice in a row. If it happens Ooh. three times in a row, then either that's a good sign, it's a good omen or a bad omen. I don't know which one it'll be. We'll have to wait and see. Here you um, are. Before we finish, sorry to butt in. Um, no, I've got a playoff stat. I nearly forgot it. This is something for everyone to get excited about. So, the boring stat is. When we are the three seed going into the playoffs, we're two and two. Mm-hmm. But the most important one, what's better than that one, is in the modern era, 
in when the Seahawks have finished twelve and four or thirteen and three, they've made the Super Bowl every single time. Right, and I before anyone listens to this and then calls me out, the only other time was in nineteen eighty six, if I'm right. So I'm not I'm not clued in that because that's like <laughs> twenty odd years ago. So in the modern era, when we finish twelve and four or thirteen and three, we've made the Super Bowl every year. Well then that that there is enough for me to convince me that we've got the Super Bowl then. If if exactly. that, that's fair, it's got to be. I was chuffed with that fact finding this morning. <laughs> no, brilliant. Um, like I say, that's been a, a really fun episode. Thanks for both of you for coming Absolutely. on with me to the, uh, tonight. Hopefully, we'll see you again next week when we're talking about a Seahawks win over the Rams and we're awaiting our opponents, whether it'll be the Saints, whether it'll be the Bears. That'll be an interesting game as well. Wherever it's going to be, it's the Seahawks. It's going to be tough. We'll make it out for ourselves. But it's the playoffs. We're in it. We're in it to win it. Let's see if we can get past the Rams. And, yeah, thanks all for listening. Have a good one, guys. Stay safe. See you later, mate. Go Hawks.